Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your precious word. God, we thank you that you have handed down this word to us over thousands of years. That your word is perfect and sufficient. And Holy Spirit, I I pray that you would move through the reading, through the teaching, through the proclamation of your holy word. In spite of the insufficiency of the messenger, Lord, would you deliver the message of hope that is available for all of humanity. Through you, Lord Jesus, the only way, the truth, the life. God, would you speak to us now? We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to the book of James. To the book of James. We did a sermon series walking through the book of James not too long ago, but this morning we're going back to James chapter 1. It'll be towards the end of your Bible. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word and you'd like to look at one in a print format, please feel free to borrow the Bible that's in the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't own your own hard copy of God's Word, please feel free to take that copy as our gift to you. We'd love to replenish it. Um, If you'd prefer to access the Word of the Lord in a digital format, that's also perfectly acceptable. But however you might be accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence? For the public reading of God's holy word. As we look together now at the book of James, chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. I'll read for us when I've completed our reading. I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond by saying thanks be to God. The word of the Lord says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks that he is religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We return to this passage this morning for fairly obvious reasons. This is one of the easiest, soft-toss type of following Jesus things that exists. But before we dive deeply into this, I want to make sure that we all understand that everything I'm going to talk about in the active, doing, living out the Word portion of this sermon comes from a place of salvation. Prepositions are very important. These calls to action come from a place of salvation, not seeking for salvation. If you came here this morning and you think that all you have to do is work really hard and you can be good enough to earn your way to heaven, if you foster enough children, if you adopt enough children out of poverty, if 
you work hard enough and are just good enough, then eventually you'll balance the scales of the bad things that you've done. And when you stand before God, you may say, Lord, I may have sinned. I may have done some things wrong, but look at all the good that I did. And our Lord and Master will look at you and say, depart from me, you worker of evil. I never knew you. Taking care of widows and orphans, sharing the gospel, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves, those are commands that we follow from a place of salvation. Because we are saved, because God has poured out his love for us in such an unimaginable way, we feel compelled to show that same love to others. God has been merciful to me Therefore, I desire to be merciful to others. God has been gracious to me. Therefore, I desire to share that same grace that he's poured into my heart with other people. God has forgiven me. Therefore, I want to show forgiveness to others. It's the same thing that we read in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, in Jesus, will be saved shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans tells us that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, believe that God raised him from the dead and confess that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you will be saved. But as we have talked about numerous times in this very room, that belief cannot just be a mental assent. It cannot just be factual knowledge like you understand the Pythagorean theorem or something. It's not that kind of equation. It is a living and active belief. We talked about the simple truth of trust in Vacation Bible School. I asked every class of kids that came through to stand up out of their seats. So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing this morning. If you're physically able, would you please all stand up? And I'm going to ask the same simple question that I asked the children. Do you trust the pew that you were just sitting in? The answer is yes. If you would like to demonstrate that your answer is yes, would you please sit back down? Unequivocally, you can look around this room and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, every person here trusts the pews. I'm not talking about Shannon and Beverly. I'm sure they're very trustworthy people and everybody trusts them as well. I'm talking about the seats in which you're sitting. You trust them not because you said something. You trust them not because of some fact that you know about how it was built. You trust them and I know you trust them because you were willing to sit down and you trusted the seat would hold you. This is faith. This is the gospel If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life, that he died the death that we deserved, that he paid our penalty, and that on the cross, God the Father poured out all the wrath that we deserve, and you trust that that is true, and you believe that, then it will change our lives. And people will be able to tell that we trust Jesus because we're sitting and resting in his grace. And then from that place of being saved, of being sanctified, of being set apart, of being overwhelmed by this gift of grace that we could never begin to plunge the depths of. 
from that place, we then live out the gospel. You see, the reason that adoption is important is because we've been adopted. That's the story of the gospel. God forgave us, so we forgive others. God's merciful to us, so we're merciful to others. God is gracious to us, so we're gracious to others. God adopted us, so we should be actively involved in adoption. Look with me at just a few other verses in Scripture that testify to this very thing. We'll start in Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, when the time was absolutely perfect, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son excuse me, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Ladies, this is not a slight against any one of you, but the word son is used in this passage on purpose. In the context of this culture, a daughter could not inherit the land that the father owned. The land went to the oldest son. Paul uses the language of son because whether you're a male or a female, you have the full right of inheritance when you are adopted as a child of God. God adopts us into his family. Wayward sinners. We're the ones who our parents were strung out on drugs. That drug was called sin. Adam and Eve were so caught up in sin that that addiction passed down all the way to us. And in spite of how messed up we are, God looked at the struggle and the muck and the mire that we're in and he said, I want that one. I want you. I want to adopt him. I want to adopt her because I love them and I'm going to make them my heir. I'm going to make them equal with my son Jesus and all the benefits and perks that go with the inheritance that Jesus has purchased. I'm going to give to them. Folks, if, if maybe you got written out of your family's will, if maybe somehow or another your family squabbled when the matriarch or the patriarch passed away, I want to remind you there is an inheritance coming your way if you are a Christian that pale, that anything on earth pales in comparison to. But we have been adopted. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Right here in the middle of the prologue of the Gospel of John. John says the true light in verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. It wasn't anybody on earth's will. It was God's will. He loved you enough. He loved me enough that he made it a part of his desire, of his plan, of his will, that you and I might have the opportunity to become children of God. This same adoption language is in Romans chapter 8. It's all over the New Testament. In verse 15 of Romans 8, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that indeed we are children of God. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children. Now and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Folks, this is the heart of the gospel. That even though we're ugly, even though we're sinful, even though we mess up every day, multiple times a day, God loved us enough to call us his children and adopt us. From the place of being adopted into God's family, our heart's desire should be to do whatever we can to support efforts for foster care and adoption in this world. We've been adopted. We've been shown grace. And it's our call from a place of being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ to reach out and offer adoption to others as a picture of what God has done for us. Are you scared to go and stand face-to-face with somebody and stand toe-to-toe with somebody and say, let me tell you the gospel story? If that's you, maybe you can show them the gospel story through adoption, through foster care. Why do you do that? Why do you, why do you draw in these children and take them into your home Why do you foster these kids? Why did you adopt that child? They've got so many problems. They've got so much baggage. I don't understand why you'd put yourself through so much hardship and struggle. I know that this can be difficult. I don't understand why you do this. It's because this is what Jesus does for me. That's all you've got to say. You're living your faith. You're showing what it is to carry out the gospel in real life. And you won't even have to hardly open your mouth and people will see the gospel in your life. Folks, we're saved by grace. We're given a great commission. And we're given a great commandment. Those are the two most common things that we have, right? Jesus says in Matthew 28, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what Jesus says to us. That's our command. That's our commission. We go. He says in Matthew 22, it's repeated in Mark and in Luke. He says to him, the lawyer who came to ask, what's the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the great commandment and first is this. And the second is like it. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So really, if we're wanting to know the very basic principles I'm not talking about premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. I'm not talking about Calvinism and Arminianism. I'm not talking about deep theological, debatable doctrines. I'm talking about the basic principles that all Christians all over the world ought to be able to agree upon. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Boom, we believe that. Because we believe that, we make disciples. Because we believe that, we love God with everything we got. We love others with everything we got. Because we believe that, We take care of widows and orphans. You find you a Christian church that says that one of those three things is wrong, you ain't in a Christian church, folks. It's the basics. It's the bare minimum. It's not required for salvation. You're not working your way into heaven. That's not possible. It comes from a place of salvation 
not for salvation. And from the place of being saved, it is our call to love and care for orphans and widows. And I I just want to ask you, as I've had to ask myself getting ready for this week, being with all these kids in vacation Bible school, they were all sitting right there. We did Bible study right here. Looking through those cards, and so many of those cards, there were kids that wanted to know Jesus. So many kids that said they already knew Jesus. So many kids said they're not ready. So many kids that had questions. Good questions. Tough questions. So many kids. 6,000 children in the state of Alabama. Some of those kids, they don't need somebody that's perfect. They don't need somebody who's got all the answers. They just need somebody to love them like Jesus loves us. And so I I just wonder, church, how are you going to answer the call? Maybe this morning you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus. So this adoption idea sounds crazy to you, but I want you to know God wants to adopt you. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can assure you Jesus really is who he said he is. He really was born of a virgin. He really did live a perfect life. And even though you and I are sinners, he was sinless. He died on a cross so that all who believe in him can be saved. This morning, believe in Jesus. First and foremost, above all else, if you have never believed in Jesus, hear me beg you this morning, trust in Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life. And if we trust in Jesus, it will change our lives. It will change our hearts. And there will be a call that God places on our life. So how are we going to answer that call? I just I want to give you some practical ways to respond to how to take care of widows and orphans. The first thing I can tell you is that for several years now, our church, you may not be aware, we have hosted a monthly training event that the Alabama Department of Human Resources that Natalie Pinson helps to orchestrate. Okay, They come to our church campus in the Fellowship Center. We feed the foster families, parents and kids, dinner. And then we watch the kids for about an hour or so while the foster parents do their required monthly training. So that is a simple ministry. You can come and spend about an hour with some foster children once a month. Just to be very open and transparent with you, some of the people that were heavily involved in making that ministry happen have stepped away from that ministry for a break. And so we have openings. There are openings. If you like to cook dinner for kids that are foster kids and foster families, boom, we got a place for you. If you can go pick up catered food and bring it and help serve a plate, you can do this. If you can sit with a child who needs somebody to love them for about an hour once a month on a Thursday night, you can do this. You know how to sign up? Look at that bulletin. You still got your bulletin? If you got your bulletin, hold it up for me. Hold up your bulletin. On that front page of that bulletin, there are four or five email addresses. You send an email to office at Bethany Andalusia. You send an email to Nathan at Bethany Andalusia. You pick up your phone and you call the office and say, I want to help with our monthly DHR foster family ministry. You, that's a mouthful. I want to help with DHR. We'll know. We'll know from there. First tangible step, you can help with that ministry that we do right here in this church already. Second, second step. You can sign up for this class and train to be a foster parent. Look, the Alabama Baptist Children's Home has such an incredible network of support. 
you don't have to necessarily sign up to be a foster parent and take children all the time. You can go through the training and then be respite care. Folks, if you have children at home and you have been envious of the grandparents, you know grandparents, right? The ones that you send the kids to for a little while. And then when you get them back, you don't know what happened to them at grandma and grandpa's house. Clayton Wood, I'm thinking about you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. TJ, I'm praying for you, brother. Uh-huh, right there. There's plenty more of you in here. Being respite care for a foster family is like being a grandparent. The foster family is taking care of these kids all day, every day, and sometimes they need a break, but you can't just put foster children with anybody. They've got to be trained and certified. So you could take kids for a weekend. You could take kids for a night. You could take kids for an afternoon. Love on those children. Give them sweets and candies. Make them run and bounce off the walls and then just turn them back into the foster family. That's all you got to do. You get to be the grandparent. If you've always wanted to be the grandparent, that's what you can do. Miss Kim is going to be in the lobby. Please, if you don't normally leave that way, go that way. Get some of the information that she has. Talk to her about signing up for that class in September. And you aren't, nobody forces you. You aren't forced to take a, a foster child at any point in time. They just call and ask. You could say yes, you could say no. You could be respite care. That's one of the best ways to be involved in caring for orphans and widows. Did you guys know that the whole history behind orphan care and foster care is founded in the Christian faith? Like the government lagged behind, and they were so far behind, they copied what we as Christians were already doing to set up their federal program. That's how nationwide, statewide foster care happened, because the church became the leader. Now we're lagging behind. We just, ah, the state will take care of it. I mean, we're the most, like, small government county in the world, okay? Like, if ever there was a county that said, don't just trust the government to do it, it's Covington County, and yet, for some reason, when it comes to foster care, we're like, eh, we'll just let them handle it. It's time for us to step up. Listen, you, you can... You can also become part of the BRACE network. That's an acronym. Your Sunday school class can be a BRACE class for a foster family. Okay? If you want to know more about your class, that doesn't mean you necessarily have to sign up to be a foster parent, but your Sunday school class, your small group, you can talk with Miss Kim before you leave, and you can sign up to be a BRACE family, a BRACE class that helps support other foster families. Listen, you, you might be really intimidated by this, and you just want to talk to somebody else who's kind of been down a road like this. We have numerous families who have been down this road. Take some time to talk to those families. I, I'm going to list off just a few, okay? This is not all of them, but this is just a few. You can talk to the Bartons, who've proudly been through the adoption process. You can talk to the Philpots. You can talk to the Tarpleys. You can talk to the Best family. You can talk to the Harwell family. We have numerous families who are either actively involved or have been involved in foster care and the adoption process. Talk to them. Ask them. Now listen, don't go ask them looking for sunshine and rainbows and butterflies, okay? They're going to tell you what it's really like, but it's worth it. And I guarantee you they'll all tell you that at the end of the day. It may not be the easiest thing, but it's the most worthwhile thing that you can do. You can also give financially. Look, we give through the cooperative program. We take up special offerings. You can give to the ABCH through this church. You can give directly to them. But maybe that's where you feel led to do. And you don't feel like you could take kids. You could give financially. But like Kim said, the absolute most important thing that you can do 
add it to your prayer radar. You know, we got things that we, we pray about commonly. And we go to the Lord and it's always on our tongue. It's always on our lips. Folks, make foster children. Make the Alabama Baptist children home a part of your everyday prayers. Even if at the end of your prayer you say, Lord, raise up the workers for the children's home. Lord, take care of the foster families. Lord, take care of the foster kids. And that's how you end your prayers. As long as you mean it from your heart, it counts. You don't have to say some long, eloquent prayer. Just mean it from the depths of who you are. Have a heart and a passion to display the gospel through the ministry of foster care and adoption the way that God has poured his love out on us by adopting orphans like you and I. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love that is immeasurable. Lord, your, your gospel is, is almost too good to believe sometimes. Thank you for showering us with mercy and grace. Thank you for adopting us as your children to be called sons with full benefits of inheritance, to be heirs to your throne. And God, I just pray that from the place of being saved, of knowing you as our Savior and our Lord, that we as a church would rally around this cause and that it would be part of our DNA. Just like making disciples, just like loving you, just like loving others, that it would be taking care of widows and orphans. That your gospel would be seen in the lives of this church by the way we love and care for orphans and widows. Lord, we, we pray and we ask that you would move among us. That we might respond in obedience. That we might, be, we might be filled with your spirit and called to serve you in this way. Lord, we ask that you would lead us in this time. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.